0: Now, have you guys ever wanted to learn how to clear your karma, something that every single one of us has to deal with at one point or another in their many, many incarnations in this life? Well, today's guest is here to tell you how not only to clear karma, to understand what karma is, generational karma, and much more. We have on the show Professor Subhash Jain, and he and I have an in-depth conversation about karma and... And how we can be free of it. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Sapash Jain. How are you doing, Sapash? Hello, Alex. How are you? I'm very good, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, your book, The Path to Inner Peace Mastering Karma. And uh, karma is a very interesting word. We talk about it, it's almost in in the lexicon, it's in the zeitgeist. People talk about karma instant karma all of these kind of things as as like you know all that you know, he was mean to somebody and then all of a sudden hits him. I'm like that's instant karma i'm like i'm not sure if that's instant karma.
1: yes exactly
0: so my my first question to you before we jump into into karma is what's how did you start your spiritual journey
1: you see i came to this country a long time back in 1967 you can see it's about 55 years ago okay and of course, at that time I was fairly young, and I am coming from a country where everybody knows the word karma. Sure. And I landed in 67, where practically nobody here at that time knew this word karma. Very few people knew this karma. Mm-hmm. So, landing from a country where everybody knows karma to a country where practically very few people started knowing about karma at that time. I'm talking about Fifty-five, five years ago. Yeah, but anyway, so I start working here. Then they start asking me questions because I came from, from a faith uh, which originated in India. My, you see, my last name Jain belongs to a faith called Jainism. Mm-hmm. And you probably know there are four faiths. They originated in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people are familiar with Hinduism. And then they knew, start knowing about Buddhism because they are talking about uh, yoga and meditation and things like that. So they, in the last I would say thirty years, they knew about Buddhism. But there is a third faith, Jainism, and uh, which is is as old as the other two faiths, Hinduism and Buddhism, is fairly very ancient faith. And the fourth faith is Sikhism which is fairly recent one which originated about 600 years ago is is fairly recent one but any all the four faiths, they of course believe in this what we call karma doctrine and so so people knew that i'm coming from a country where uh, everybody talks about karma so they start talking to me about this word karma, but then I found out I really didn't know much about karma. <laughs> Though I born in a faith where I should know about karma, because my faith is just practically based on karma doctrine. So then I started reading about it and uh, more I read, more I had more questions actually. I really didn't answer many lot of questions. And then I really became interested in this karma doctrine. I knew that there are a lot of things which I really didn't understand. And then I start contemplating and thinking about it. And one thing, common mistake, everybody thinks they try to relate every event, every occurring in the world by karma, which is not correct. Everything is not controlled by karma doctrine. So it's very important people should know that they shouldn't really think that everything, what we do, whatever action we are doing, everything is controlled by karma, which is not correct. So that was my main thing when I started. I wanted to know what kind of action, what 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 are the events which are controlled by karma, which which are the things which are not controlled by karma. And so that was the most important thing I did in my book also. So
0: uh, if we go back for a second, uh, that your faith is Jainism, which I'm familiar with, uh, to a certain extent, I've heard about it, I, I've heard that it's older, or just about as old as Hinduism, because uh, I mean, Hinduism goes back 6,000 years, arguably older, depending on the Vedas and how you interpret it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I think, again, uh, if you ask any Jain, he will say, no, Jainism is older than Vedas. But anyway, is a controversy and nobody can resolve this controversy. Right. So, but it is very old. That's good enough, I think. Yeah, it's fairly old, really. It, it's a fairly old religion. Can you, because can, can
0: you, I don't know much about it. Can you kind of give me the the broad strokes on the beliefs of, of a Jainism?
1: I think the main difference between, because people know about Hinduism, so I would say, Buddha, which was the founder of Buddhism, and our last founder, we call it Mahavira, they were contemporary. Mahavira and Buddha, they were contemporary. Actually, they saw each other, they met each other, and they had a discourse. So I would say it's definitely 2,600 years old religion, because Buddha time, everybody agrees that Buddha was there about 2,600 years ago. So the main difference is that both Buddhism and Jainism, they don't believe in a creator. That's the main difference. I think most faiths believe in some kind of a creator. But these are the only two faiths in the world. They don't believe in a creator. They think this universe was there all the time and it will be there. So you really don't need a creator to create anything that
0: So in other words, yes, well, it's the concept of God has always been he's never it was never before God. There's never an after God. It's just always right. been, which is right. a very difficult concept to for people in the materialistic right. materialism world to understand. Because here everything is created. Yes, everything has an end at one point. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, OK, so that's the main. that's the main uh, the main uh, doctrine, if you will, of, of Jainism yes. and right. and Buddhism.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Both. 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 Yeah. They don't believe in God. So, they, they, be-
0: they believe that there's something that has always been, which is our universe. Yeah, yeah. And that we are in it. And then there's this cycle of, of birth and death of us here. But you do also believe in a soul, uh, eternal energy of some sort, correct?
1: Yeah, definitely. You see, yeah, if you believe, Jenny thinks that this cosmos or this universe is composed of six, what we call, there is a word called Davya, which Substances. There are six substances which compose this world. Mm-hmm. And everybody understands matter. That matter is definitely one of the substances which is there. And not scientists, but most faith believe in soul. So there is another substance which will called soul. So, so there is another substance in this universe which is soul. But then there are four other substances. And again, scientists believe two other substances called space and time. So Jennings thinks, yeah, there are two other substances, space and time. They're also part of this universe. So the universe cannot exist without space and time. So we call these as kind of a substance which exists in this world. Mm -hmm. But besides these four, there are two other substances which are really little nobody understand. And uh, we call medium of motion and medium of rest. We think that anything to move, you need some other thing which helps moving things. So we call there is another substance which scientists sometimes they call start calling ether they because they think they, they thought for to light like to move, you need some kind of a medium light cannot travel without a medium that kind of a wave so they thought oh for all these waves you need a medium and they start talking about a substance called ether but they had this problem and einstein had problem with this ether and sometimes they say oh yeah there is a ether and sometimes they say, no, we we can explain this universe without ether so it's still science scientists are not really sure about this concept but anyway in general we think you definitely need a medium We'll
0: be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: Other substances to move, to matter or so to move in this universe. And we call this substance medium of motion. And similarly, you need another substance we call medium of rest. All these planets are evolving. There is some kind of an equilibrium. uh, uh, steadiness, and you need a substance so that everything is in equilibrium, and we call the medium of rest. So these are the six substances, which at this is the unique concept in Jainism, they talk about all these different substances in the universe, and they think there are six substances in the universe, and definitely soul and matter are the two most important substances. here. Yeah.
0: That's really fascinating. I've never heard those concepts before. I understand them, but I understand the concepts behind it. But I've never heard those before. Well, let me ask you because you've mentioned you mentioned Einstein and and you mentioned scientists. It's really interesting now that uh, that so many um, so many of the concepts that have been around with Jainism and Hinduism and in the Vedas, these basic concepts have been around for thousands of years. And scientists and science are starting to. Catch up to those ideas. So, mm-hmm. what wh- what are your feelings on how science, quantum physics, and things like that are starting to really intertwine with concepts of faith, religion, spirituality?
1: Yeah, you see, that's what I think. There is a one group in India right now, and I I belong to that group. We are trying to combine these two ideas because they are still a wide gap. What the way scientists think and the way Jainism think about the universe. And the idea is from two opposite directions. We the scientists when they talk about matter, they start with a solid, liquid, gases, and they go to smaller and smaller particles and they start breaking these atoms and molecules into atoms and quads and the smaller and the smaller particles. So this is the direction they are going. They started with big molecules, and then start breaking those molecules into smaller particles, and they are now talking about quads and uh, different time of particles, small particles, but we started in the opposite way. They started with the smallest particle, and which they call, like an atom, not exactly atom, the smallest, which cannot be divided further, the smallest ultimate particle, we call it. So we start with ultimate particle and these ultimate particles start joining in each other they become plasma and then other things and liquid gases and solids liquids and solids and things like so we started from fine particles and start making big particles and somehow we want to converge the way the scientists are thinking and the way the gens are thinking there's still a wide gap and we are trying to make this <laughs> gap as narrow as possible but yeah you are right i think there are a lot of similarities in our thinking but it's still a very wide
0: gap well yeah and there's no question there's still a wide gap but the concepts of quantum physics with even something as simple as not simple but something Mm -hmm. as popular as maybe simulation theory and maya uh or the illusion those two concepts are just being explained in completely different ways but they're the same concept which before 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That wasn't a conversation. Right, exactly. You're right. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So let me ask you, for people who don't understand, if someone's coming to this conversation for the first time, can you give a a basic understanding of what the the word karma means?
1: You see, basically, I think in in general, this is a slightly different concept. This word karma, basically, they think action is the word equivalent word in english will be action Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so we do karma all the time because we do action all the time for example i am doing action of speaking and and you are doing the action of listening or vice versa so we are doing this this action or this karma so i'm doing of karma of speaking and listening but again the concept is that every action has consequences and those and the the basic, I think in all faiths, four faiths which originated in India, they believe in this concept that everybody has to bear the consequences of their action. Mm -hmm. And this is what basically this karma doctrine is and the main problem is that all consequences are not governed by karma doctrine. That's the main problem. And so there are certain consequences which are controlled by karma doctrine and which you have to bear in your future life, those consequences. And so where this information is stored that what consequences you will bear in your future life, in jainism, they are stored in some kind of a... Very, very fine matter, and that fine matter we also call karmic particles. Mm. So that's the main difference between among these four faiths. Jainism is the only faith where they think all these karmic consequences they are stored in a very, very fine particle, which is called karmic particles. And where does
0: that live in
1: the soul? Yeah, the, those are remained, Is you see, because the particle, when I use the word particle, is definitely matter, is not soul. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and so I'm made of two things. I am made of matter, which is my body. And of course, I have soul, which my consciousness is part of that soul. So I am made of two things, soul and matter. And so there is a karmic body inside my body. So I have this what I call grass gross body, which is my, you can see my body, but there is another, there is a very, very fine mod body. And that's the main thing. Those fine particles are so fine, nobody can see. Even you cannot see under the microscope. This is like a very similar to your genetic body, but genetic body is, is still coarse, you can see genes or DNA molecules by uh, under electronic microscope. But the problem is this karmic body is even f- more finer, more subtler than the genetic body. And so and we think at least we start talking about it because scientists think 96% matter of the universe is still not visible. They call it dark matter and dark energy. So scientists think that they don't have really equipment or, or instruments to see this dark matter and dark energy. When they compute the mass of the all these known galaxies, they can see only 4% visible mass of, of the universe. Based on their extended model of universe, they find that they can see only 4%. And 96% remaining mass is they call dark matter and dark energy. So we think this dark matter, dark energy is part of this what we call karmic matter. And so which is a very, very so this is the concept we have in Genesis. Yeah.
0: It's really interesting because everything you're saying, you know, within the spiritual the spirituality aspects of it is all connected into the scientific parts of it, at least in the way you explain it, which is very unique in 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 my experience studying spirituality and speaking to people on my show, most people don't connect those two. I mean, quantum physicists I've had on the show do, who are are a little farther along. But I've never had someone from the spiritual side really explain things on the on the scientific side, even though it's scientific things that we can't, like you said, you know, observe. But the concepts are there, so it's really, really interesting. So, as far as car- as far as karma is concerned, so okay, you said that not every action has an equal and opposite reaction in the sense of karma.
1: Right. So,
0: what constitutes karma? You know, obviously, if I kill somebody, I'd imagine that that is a karmic load that I will have to take with me. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Yeah,
1: yeah. That, that's what uh, I I I prefer to use instead of karmic load. I use the word karmic debt
0: so it's a debt that uh, yeah. I'm gonna have
1: to pay. It, yeah. So, yeah, people use both terms
0: karmic load or karmic debt, yeah. But if I cheat on my test in high school, if I cheat on my test in high school, I that's not the same as far like, is that do I have a karmic debt there or not? Yeah, 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 sure. oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so that's so what con so what doesn't constitute a karmic debt? That's a better question then. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the
1: show okay yeah you see I think we have to understand that there are two types of consequences and one of the consequences and that's the I think major mistake everybody makes for example when I go for example I used to work I used to teach and I teaching was my action and for as a, as, as a consequence of a teaching, I used to get some reward, which was my salary. So my income was basically the consequence of my teaching. And definitely, there is no doubt, because I was doing the action of teaching. It has consequences. And that consequence of teaching has consequence of this reward or salary, what I was getting. So that type of consequence is not governed by karma doctrine. Uh, That's the main problem. Because this is definitely a consequence of my action of teaching. But but that consequence is not governed by karma doctrine. That's the mistake people make. If somebody is rich and they think and that whatever wealth they are getting, this is due to their karma. Everybody thinks And that's the common mistake. Everybody wants to relate all their wealth and karma. And according to me, my mind thinking is that the wealth is not controlled by karma doctrine. It's by man-made law because because I can explain this because before Russia became uh, in uh, 92, I think, when the Soviet, Soviet Union was uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before that, everybody was controlled. I have more or less the income disparity was very small. So you can control income disparity by just making laws. This is man-made laws, and you can want that everybody should have same income. You can do that. There's, there are a lot of Scandinavian countries where income disparity is not very large, and there are capitalistic countries. So, should, so. Th- so depending upon what kind of man-made law you follow, you can govern the income disparity or what kind of income you will have. So income is not governed by, by Karma doctrine. So, so, so in other words, if I did that's really cost. good in
0: one life, I'd become a billionaire in the second life. That, that's not the way that works. Yeah, right. But yes. if I misuse the money that I have here by hurting people or taking advantage of people, that becomes a karmic debt.
1: Yeah, you see, that, uh, that's what basically, so we'll have to, first of all, I think we have to define this word action. Action includes two things. We, most things, action talks about only physical action. Of course, we I and I, I do action with my body, with my speech and with my mind. So I do physical action with this body, speech and mind, which we call my body, body and speech action. But this is only physical action but then it is psychic action. You see, when I do action, there is some intention, there's a driving force, some desire, some attachment, why I'm doing these things. So that psychic action is most important thing. So this action has two components, which is physical component, and then the psychic component, and which in my book, use the word MOHA, M-O-H-A, and which is basically includes all your intention, desire. So that includes both. So MOHA is very important. So if you do any action with MOHA, then you will have definitely consequences. So I divide consequences into two parts. One consequences, which are, does not change with time and place. And there are some consequences which change with time and place. So, for example, when I came to this country, I, I used to teach it in India, and I used to get used, used to teach the same subject there, I used to get some salary there, came back to US in 67, started teaching the same thing here, but my salary was very, very very different. So though I was doing the same job. Same, same, kind of action. So, so this this kind of a consequences varied with time and place. My okay. salary changed also with time. I uh, later on my salary increased. I was still teaching the same thing, but my salary was different. So, my salary was changing with time also, not only with time and place. So, there are a lot of consequences which change, change with time and place. So those are not universal consequences. They, those are consequences which change with time and place, and they are not governed by karma doctrine because karma doctrine is a universal doctrine. Only universal consequences are governed by karma doctrine.
0: So, if I, so if I actively have an intention to hurt you, you, yeah, that is that's that's governed by karma doctrine,
1: right? right. And the main problem is that those consequences are not visible. These universal consequences, you it stored that information somewhere that you did so, this, yeah. Okay. so
0: so then, all right, let me get to this. Yeah, so if, uh-huh. let's say I have some karma I have uh-huh. to deal with, uh-huh. uh, and you're not going to see it. Yeah, um, maybe as you become older, or you maybe become a little bit more aware of stuff, you're like, okay, yeah. that's uh-huh. something I did before that. <laughs> I right, got that. But the, but the universe will find a place and time for you to pay that debt off in this life. Yes. Whether that be if you hurt somebody intentionally in another life, in this life, someone even might be the same person in a different in a different body maybe or just – di- or, or a different person will make you feel the same way you made someone else feel or those consequences. Is that accurate?
1: No, no. I think you're, you see the consequences you have stored. They will when they will. will be a fruit in in future time. Then they will produce the fruit, and then of course, if you did bad action, then you will definitely have some bad consequences. But it doesn't have to be the same consequence. No, 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 no. Not no, no. only something else. No, 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 it's something else. But it will be definitely bad. Not exactly that you you hit somebody, you slap somebody, you will get slapped. No. You you will feel pain, but it, it can be a different kind of pain. So, yeah.
0: So the the money of karma is pain and and pleasure, I guess, or pain and happiness, or things along those lines?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. You can say yeah, exactly. That would be the- that would be the monetary system, if you will, of yeah, karma. That one way. Yeah, definitely. But there this karma controls other things also. For example, for example, we know that certain people are more intelligent than the others. Coming into a life. Right. And we think this also governed by karma. There is one type of karma which controls the intelligence
0: intelligence physical attributes artistic right. yeah. artistic talents yeah. 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 right? where yeah. you where you're born who you're born to all yeah. these yeah, uh, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. so let yeah. me ask you a question i've talked to multiple um spiritual masters on the show near death experiencers mm-hmm. my understanding of the way karma is 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 um dealt with on the other side and again mm-hmm. this is just from what i've spoken to is that the so it is a karmic debt but the mm-hmm. soul's choice is to come back and deal with that debt. It is not like a, a doctrine that means you have to go back to earth to pay this debt off. It's more like if you are going to continue down this, this path, you will have to repay this debt. And from what I understand, it is the soul's choice to go, oh, I really need to go back down there because I slapped Sahash in the face. And I feel, I, I feel really bad at what I did to him. And if I'm, if I'm just going to keep growing spiritually and evolving, I need to go back. And it's almost like I'm just going to go back because i got to do the work. As opposed to someone's up there with a judge and, a, you know, a gavel and a judge that says, no, you must go back.
1: Yeah, you see, it, it, that, as I said in the beginning, because we don't believe in a supreme power. There is no God in our So this karma doctrine is self-regulating doctrine. Correct. So this karmic body, the way this the, we have this karmic body, everything is self regulating So, this, yeah, so that, that's the main difference. In all other two faiths, which is Hinduism and Sikhism, where they believe this there is an administrator, God, take care of all those things, then things become easy because then you can leave everything uh, to the God and he will take care about the reward and punishment. But if you don't believe in God, then you will have to devise a system in which you will have to explain how this system works, how this, your karmic body will take care. So my question to you
0: is who developed the system? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: Well, oh, it's a self regulated system, it, there was no development, it, the system was there all the time, as long as the universe, was not, we, there is no beginning and end of this universe, it was, so we were there all the time, and so everything was there all the time, so there was no beginning, hard no end. Understand. It's hard yeah, to understand yeah. those concepts here, around. it's, yeah, just, it, it, it's yeah, difficult. Yeah, that's that's the basic assumption. The very first presumption in Jainism is there is no beginning, no end, no creator. This universe was there and it will remain there.
0: Exactly. Okay, so I understand where you're coming from. So, all right. So let's say that you have karmic debt in your body. Right. Is there anything you can do consciously to repair it? Yeah. Yeah. Doing good deeds, helping other people. Do you, you know? Can Is there something physically yeah. you can do without it being done to you, if you will?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, again, one has to understand this word moha. Mo, moha controls everything. Yeah. And moha is basically your intention, desires, and what we call basically attachment and aversion. Something you like, you get attached. Something you hate, you just start hating. So according to my faith, one should avoid Attachment and aversion. You one should be neutral. You should anything happens, you should be just, just, just watch. It should not affect you. So this moha should not be there. As long you are, have attachment and aversion, you will keep collecting karmic debt. And your as your moha keep decreasing, your karmic debt will start decreasing. So the idea is basically, you start with certain attachment and aversion, and somehow you start controlling your attachment and aversion with time and say, Okay, I, I love that thing so much, or I hate that so much, don't love don't hate so much. And keep reducing your attachment and aversion. And eventually, you will become completely what we call equanimity, you have and everything you don't Hate anybody, and you don't love anybody. You just neutral, completely. Nothing affects you, and so that moha becomes zero. And once your moha becomes zero, then your karmic debt will become zero. So the mantra is basically try to reduce your moha, and the best way to reduce your moha is control your desires, and the other best way I can explain, try to live with less. Mm-hmm. You see, the more, the, if you can really live, you have no desire, you can just, you can sit down and close your eyes and think yourself that you have no desire. Then you do you have nothing to worry about. You will be entirely, completely in peace. You have this problem because you desire something, and if you don't get that, meet your desire, you have problem. So, if, and if you don't have any desire, then there is no problem. So, the desire is the main problem, and desire really create this attachment and aversion. So, the mantra is basically try to live with less, and as you keep producing a requirement, and I think right now the way our universe is we are behaving and our climate all this climate problem we have, and all these things will go away. If everybody start consuming less rather than wanting more, you can just see how the things will change. So the basic mantra is try to live with less if you just do that, and then you will go in the right direction, and eventually you keep reducing your requirement, and then eventually a day will come when you you don't need anything. And you won't have no more and no karmic debt and you will become, your soul become without karmic debt and that soul we call pure soul. Right now my soul is impure because it carries a lot of this karmic debt and the idea is that we want to get get rid of. So you see the kind of happiness I'm talking about, what is we call transient happiness, we get happiness and that lasts for the such a oh, short period, right. but if you can think of yourself without desire, no desire at all, that kind of happiness will have and will not, never even go away. There's,
0: there's, I can tell you from experience. Yeah, huh. that you know when you want to buy and consume and buy and consume and you're like, oh, I want to buy a new TV or I want to buy a new car or I want to buy this or that, yeah. you're happy for, for a little bit and then it like, then, exactly, then it goes exactly. away. Yeah. but being debt free mm-hmm. with no credit card debt, yeah, is a feeling of happiness that you can't comprehend, right? Unless you, unless you feel that there's Why a sense that? of freedom with yeah. that, yeah. For most of my life, I was always dealing with debt and understanding how the money worked, and I was just, I was an idiot, I, I just didn't know until I got educated and I had a, a good woman in my life to help me, <laughs> that, yeah, that was able to get that, but that freedom. Is so yes. powerful, and it's something that I think we should all thrive to be. Is to find that freedom within ourselves. So if you can be happy with yourself without anything external around you, then you're always happy. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. But if, but if this thing that I'm holding is the source of my happiness, then
1: if this thing goes away, you have a problem. Right. So that's yeah. You see i I I also have the same thing, but I just use this only probably half an hour per day. and I know people use twenty four hours per day, so I, I can the I don't hate it. I still use it. I have. but I know that I can he, he, my cell phone is not controlling me. I am controlling my cell phone. The difference is, most people, cell phone is controlling them. And we have to learn that we have to control cell phone rather than cell phone. So we, have, we are going in the wrong direction. I think it's OK. I'm not against using cell phone, but don't give everything to cell phone and you become slave of the cell phone. It's a
0: tool.
1: Yeah. That, yeah. That's the...
0: it's, it's an absolute tool as opposed to letting it control you. You need to control yeah, right. it um, <laughs> okay. without without question. So you were saying earlier that if you release all your karma, you become a yeah. pure soul. Yeah. Is that what
1: Buddha, Jesus? Yeah.
0: Like yes.
1: Yeah, that's that they became. Yeah, yeah that's what, uh, the, what they whatever uh, Nirvana they call it or Moksha they call it. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, you see, once you go, then then you are not come back as a, as a, in reincarnation, not reborn. There's no need. No need. So that's what you want to do. If you don't want to come back into the cycle of happiness and misery, because once you are in this world, misery will be there all the time. There is no way. You will be happy sometimes, but most of the time you will be in, in unhappy. So that's the main problem. So if you want happy all the time, infinite happiness, then definitely you want to become what we call pure soul. Pure soul has no problem at all. And the idea is basically to get rid of this karma and convert my impure soul to become a pure soul
0: and then and then because karma and nirvana are karma and enlightenment mm-hmm. are though exclusively separate or do they <laughs> coincide at the same time meaning that if you lose all your karma
1: you, you, become enlightened.
0: you yeah. will become enlightened exactly right. right so both of those things come together you right. can't come in, you cannot become enlightened I right. still have karmic debt. Right. Exactly. Exactly. According to according to your right. according to yeah Jesus. yeah yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So then the Buddhas and the Jesuses, yeah. and, right. yes, exactly. the, the, the quote unquote ascended masters, essentially Right. Right. Uh, right. As, as you see behind me, I have yogananda I have Yeah. 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 I can. Yeah. I can see all of the
1: Yes. Baba yes.
0: Yes. Babaji, <laughs> All of these. Yeah. All yeah. these ascended yeah. masters that I have around me. So, okay, because that's that is something that p- people to understand. So there's something that you mentioned in your book called the karmic field. Is that, what is the karmic field? Karmic field is basically
1: when you are doing new action, you have your consequences, your old actions, which are stored in your karmic body. So, your new action can affect the, your past consequences through your karmic field. Okay, explain. So, this. That's, that's important. I think by doing new, suppose you have done a lot of bad actions in the past and you have very bad consequences stored in your karmic body. But you need not to worry about you can really convert those bad actions or consequences into good consequences by doing good deeds in the future because this karmic field is an interactive field. The new action affects the past consequences, consequences of past action.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: So by doing good action in the future, you can really convert the bad actions of past action, bad consequences of past action, through this karmic field I'm talking about. So people think, oh, you already have done so many bad things, and there is no hope, which is not correct. You can definitely, once you realize that, oh, you you want to go a different path. You can you can start working right now. You can change your path and start doing good deeds and start reducing your what I call again this more. Start reducing your attachment and aversion. So your more keeps start decreasing, and you start doing new actions with less more, then you will find your past consequences will also change.
0: Well, let me ask you this: there's a lot of people, because a lot of people Uh, especially in the Western religions, you know, say that being rich or being wealthy Mm -hmm. is bad. And obviously it's hurtful and harmful and you screwed people over and all this kind of stuff. But there are a lot of people who are extremely wealthy, who do an amazing amount of things for the world that do good and has good intentions with their with their money and or either inherited their money and started to give away. The one the one person that comes to mind is the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, Mm -hmm. uh, the Amazon founder, who I think Mm -hmm. she she has 40 billion? Yeah, anyway, the and she's giving it And she's giving it away. And she's giving, uh-huh. it, giving uh-huh. it away and helping people. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that? Because a lot of people think that in order to be perfect, that you need to be without clothes, in the street, in a cave somewhere, uh, that have no, no physical things in the world at all to do this kind of work. Is that fair? No,
1: no, no. First of all, as I said in the beginning, Money has nothing to do with karma doctrine. Okay. The, these consequences, which I call visible consequences, are not governed by karma doctrine. Whether it has nothing to do whether you are doing a good deed or bad deed, these consequences have nothing to do. You, even a bad person can earn money. Sure. Uh, no, no, oh, no. I understand that. So the money, money part is. Yeah, but yeah. yeah but, uh, do, even a person who doesn't have money, he can do good deeds.
0: But also, but my point is, a person who has a lot of money can do good yeah. deeds
1: as well. Yeah, so he, can, he can have both, both don't do any no, no, doesn't help anybody, yeah, yeah, but if he's helping anybody, he can do definitely good deeds, yeah,
0: so. Right, and then someone who has the resources of, let's say, ex-Mrs. Jeff Bezos, yeah. right. could so, do an immense amount of good deeds right. with, that, with that money, you know, and, and really do good for the world, so. Because there is a demonization of money and wealth in the world, and they're like, "Oh, but well, you can't have good karma, or you can't have, a, you can't be spiritually enlightened if you have too much money." Or the, that's that's not the case, from my understanding.
1: No, yeah, you keep again this word attachment. If you have definitely a lot of attach, you don't want to give a when you have attachment. Whatever you have, you don't want to give to anybody. You have. Apparently. so yeah but yeah you don't get attached to money you start giving up then you don't have attachment and no. definitely that's less moha and less moha is better definitely those who are not giving their money and they just want don't want to support anybody they have more more so
0: the key is attachment so i can right. have a billion dollars or i can have a dollar right A exactly. person who has a dollar could be more attached to that dollar what? than a person <laughs> Building.
1: yeah exactly 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 yeah right okay perfect now i
0: was introduced recently to a concept in karma called generational karma that is passed along through through from what i understand through dna through the genetic code mm-hmm. i don't know what it is but where it's generational so like if my grandfather or great-grandfather or great great-grandfather let's say i had a, a an ancestor who fell off of uh a a Mayan was sacrificed on a Mayan pyramid and fell to their death beheaded i in this in this life would be afraid of heights because i'm still dealing with what that is it's, an, it's a it's a crude example yeah what is your feeling on generational karma
1: no you see i think yeah i deep i really can't say but i know hinduism that they have definitely kind of a generational karma and they have what they call community karma or common karma. But in Jainism, we don't have, this is, karma is very individualistic. My my karma, nobody can really have, my, my karma cannot affect anybody. I have to bear my own karma. So we don't share karma with each other, no, completely. In Jainism, there's no sharing of karma with anybody. Got it.
0: Okay. And then how do you, uh, you know, how do you, do you have any tips on mastering karma? How can we really deal with karma in in our daily day lives?
1: You see, I think the best mantra I can see is again, go back to this word, try to live with less. Mm -hmm. And right now you can see, uh, can you see my dress now? I have a kind of a, I don't know, maroon kind of dress. And for the last three, four months, I just made this, I went, I went to India, and I got about half a dozen of these dress. And for the last three, four months, I'm just wearing this dress. So I have nothing, early, early in the morning, I just wear the same dress, out of those six pieces, and can you believe, four months back? I used to have so many dresses and I need to pick up that dress, this, 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 this. Should I wear this or should I get that? For the last four months, I have no, nothing to worry about what I need to wear tomorrow. I know I'm just going to wear this dress. So, very simple example. I have reduced my requirement of dress to one dress. Mm. And you can see, just one simple example, just knowing that, oh, i need to cover my body my i just need to cover my body that's the only purpose of this dress and so i can really i i had this all this my closet full of dresses now i don't need them well it sounds
0: like it's very similar to the concept of minimalism which is a yeah. Absolutely.
1: Exactly. I was going to use that word minimum. That's what I am trying to say. And and that's the only way you can save this world. The way we are going right away. I think if you want to have this climate control or global warming, everything you can be control right away if everybody starts going to minimally. Well, the
0: thing is interesting though is that the reason that we are if, if, back in the earlier days in the eighteen hundreds. Mm -hmm. there was very few people who had a lot um, because everybody was just really trying to figure out how to survive Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And yes, Mm -hmm. there were people who owned a lot, but the majority Mm -hmm. of people didn't. Mm -hmm. But now because of the industrial revolution, we, the whole economy, the whole engine that runs the world is about creating products and buying products. So then people Mm -hmm. started to accumulate more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. We're now getting to that tipping point mentally, spiritually, that people are like, now that I can get anything I want, mm-hmm. I need to start pulling back. Yeah, and start pulling back because you start to realize, like you said, if you didn't have to look, if if you didn't have to think about what to wear, right, right. um it didn't have to keep track of forty or sixty or eighty pieces. I see these closets of yeah. these people online or on, exactly. on, on shows, yeah. like walk in giant walk in closets with. Yeah more clothes than they'll ever wear in their lifetime and i'm like what what, what's the purpose of that like how many more rooms do you need in your house at a certain point it's a you know as long as you got your basics covered a roof over your head a place to place to shower place to eat you know prepare your meals a car that doesn't have to be fancier, just something that gets you from point a to point b that's reliable after you get to a certain point what else? Why do you need the next fancier car? Why do you need the biggest, biggest house you can find? Why do you need a thousand? And then not only a lot of clothes, and then super expensive clothes. Yeah, exactly. That's all, that becomes yes. at that point is all ego. It's all yes. about
1: yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what I was going. So, and I didn't realize this. I just realized this only four months ago. So that I'm saying, so if I can, I was able to do that, and I know now. And that's why I want to repeat this mantra again, try to live with less. I moved from a big house to a very sink, one bedroom apartment. Now I have very few, I have just only six pieces of dress. I have very little things in my house. And I can definitely see I am much more happy than I was before.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now, back to the show. Oh, I could tell you something. Every time you move from one place to another, you realize how much crap. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. 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 It's, it's insane <laughs> because you just... So, so now it's like, I'm always looking like, what can I get rid of? Exactly. Exactly. So exactly. much stuff here. Yes. You know, yes. I give away a lot of stuff. I give away... You know, I only keep things that are meaningful for me or things that are part of my work and what I'm doing Mm -hmm. but even Mm -hmm. things that are meaningful to me things I can walk away from tomorrow exactly that's and that's the thing you have to be able to do like if I you know there's things that I love that have been with me for years but I at a certain point you just have to get you know I care. I used to I used to collect comic books when I was a kid you know Spider-Man Batman
1: I know I know I know I had (laughs)
0: Ben 12 long boxes we're talking yeah. thousands of copies
1: exactly exactly
0: i carried those books across <laughs> the country okay to california yeah and i changed from three different four different houses <laughs> for 13 years carrying these boxes to yeah. the closet right, right, wait right. wait for it i didn't look at them yeah. More than five times in those 13 years. And right before the pandemic, I said, you know what? I think it might be time to let this go. And I sold them. I sold them and I put the money into something else. And I'm like, I'm not, these aren't going to be worth billions of dollars later. These are not, you know, I've had them for, since I was a kid, if they're not going to, at this point, none of these are going to pop into a millionaire situation.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: mm-hmm. Unless I'm the last comic collection on the planet. So, I I let go. And that was one of the most meaningful things I had in my life. But being able to release that and release those old things that aren't – like your perfect example with what you're saying, you had this collection of clothes that served you up to to a point. But then you said, no, this isn't serving me anymore. This is the new path. And you're happier, right?
1: Yes, my entire community now know that this fellow just will, will be very, uh, they, they, they see me only in distress. so they know me. So they, they, so nobody really expect anything else from me. They know that this person will be in distress in future, in future. So they know me, and uh, so I'm happy. They are happy. So no problem at all. So yeah. just. <laughs> um, it has been
0: a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I want to ask you a few questions. I Ask all my guests. What is your definition
1: of living a good life? Again, I think I cannot think of anything better. If you can just, again, cutting down your requirements, live with, I think I cannot find any better word, living with less is is my be- best way advice would be. What is your definition of God? I will say a pure soul is God, God cannot, because we don't really create a, God cannot do anything with me, for me. But yeah, I want to become God because God has perfect happiness, perfect bliss. Fair enough. You want to
0: become the God. Yeah. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? Just to become God. To, to, yeah, to, to get rid of this
1: karmic debt. And, yeah, right, exactly.
0: And, yeah, that that's, so that's my
1: definition of God. En, yeah.
0: Enlightenment, if you will.
1: Enlightenment, uh, yeah. nirvana. Yeah. Probably, yeah, yeah. That, that's a better word, yeah.
0: And where can people find out more about you, your book, uh, The Path to Inner Peace, and uh, the work that you're doing?
1: Oh, they can go, go to my, I think I, I don't have any website that's the main problem, but they, they can go to uh, this uh, amazon.com to buy that book, or mantra.com, this, yeah, they can find my book there.
0: Uh, and is there part any parting messages you would like to leave with the audience?
1: No, he's again, I'm the, go to the same word. Just to save this universe, try to live with less.
0: My friend, it has been a pleasure talking to you. And it's been enlightening, to say the least. And I really appreciate what you're doing and uh, doing to help the world. So I appreciate you. And thank you again for coming and on
1: Thank the show. you, Alex. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I want to thank Subhash so much for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash two zero two. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey.